0: Welcome back to the Will Ford show, post NFL draft. And so what we're going to do in this episode. This is episode 129 by the way, I believe so. Let me let me double check that. 128. Sorry, lose count after a while. But post NFL draft, we're going to go through some of these draft classes for a handful of teams. In this episode, we're going to take a look at the teams that I think had the best drafts. There's a handful Uh, And then there's one that's just really, really underrated that I don't think anybody is really talking about because of the history of this team in recent years and just the things that have gone on with them this offseason. So they're going to be the team that I talk about last. No particular order, no particular ranking with these squads, but uh, I just want to say all in all, the draft was extremely entertaining. A lot lot of fun stuff in the first couple of rounds, and a lot of players that I thought were first-round talents kind of fell into the second round and some even into the third round, which was kind of surprising. It just shows you how deep this draft was, in my opinion, but we played the NFL draft game for the second year in a row. I believe we had eight people in the draft game the first year, last year, and I won that game, and I donated uh $25 and Alec donated $25 to coronavirus relief to the NFL. Uh this year we had uh 10 participants. We did have 11 but one uh dropped out. We have we had 10 participants and the winner of the draft game it was a tie between myself and Parker Black. And I decided to give the nod to Parker Black the the way you break the tie uh and we both had 17 points or maybe 17 and a half points I forget now but The way you break the tie is whoever has the highest streak of points scored in a row. And we both got the first seven picks correct in some way, shape, or form. Uh, But actually, looking at it right now, um, I could have very much, very easily broken the tie between us. Because I had Mac Jones going at number three to the 49ers. He had Trey Lance and got it right. That should have been the tiebreaker. But regardless, he gets the win anyways. He tied And uh, shout out Parker Black. Really nice job in the NFL draft game. And uh, 50 bucks goes to you, my friend. And can't wait to have you playing again next year and try to defend that title. But super good job and just a super fun game to play too. Thanks to everyone who who played. It was pretty competitive. We had a couple guys in the 16-point range. Really, really good turnout this year. And it was a really entertaining draft to watch. Obviously, there were some some pretty obvious picks, but there there were some pr- surprising trades, some surprising picks uh, early in the first round. I was really disappointed as a Cowboys fan not getting either J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan, uh, either w- corner at number ten. Uh, and you know the the Panthers took Horn at number eight. The Broncos took Sertan at number nine, and Sertan was a bit of a surprise to the Broncos. I don't think anybody was expecting that. Cowboys at number 10 decided to trade back to 12 with the Eagles. The Eagles get their receiver and Devontae Smith. Cowboys get Micah Parsons, who I think is the best defensive player overall in the draft. So I was upset with it at first because I also knew that Rashawn Slater was there, an offensive tackle from Northwestern. Thought maybe, you know, our offensive line's aging. Maybe we just start building that offensive line again. But then the more I thought more, uh, the more I thought about it. Micah Parsons is an excellent run stopper and the Cowboys were last against the run or second to last against the run last year. Sean Lee just retired. Leighton Vander Esch has some injury concerns. You plug in Micah Parsons, you're going to be able to stop the run much better. And so I guess the offensive line was just kind of my my heart talking. Uh, to me, like offensive line is just, that's a, that's a sexy pick in my opinion. Like I love offensive line. So it might seem underwhelming to a lot of people, but I, I just, I love drafting offensive linemen. I love offensive line prospects. So to me, that's what I wanted in the moment. But now I realize that Micah Parsons was the move. The only thing I don't like about trading back to 12, even though we got an extra pick out of it, we gave the Eagles something that they can use against us twice a year in Devontae Smith, who I think is the second best receiver in the in the whole class. So that kind of stung a little bit. But saying that, the Giants would have taken him at 11, so either war, either or we're going to get him, so it, it it doesn't really matter all that much. We got an extra player out of it, so it's fine, but I want to take you now through the teams that had the best draft classes, in my opinion. No particular order, no particular rank or anything like that. I'm going to start off with the New York Jets, though. I think they had an A or A-plus draft class, and I don't really like throwing out grades for something like this because... It's extremely difficult to predict, you know, like your your fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. But like you know, rounds one through four, you can tell if you're getting some pretty good players. So I guess it just really to, de- you know, five through seven, it's just that's just luck of the draw. I- I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I know that these players are gonna turn out to be anything, but you get a pretty good sense rounds one, two, three, and possibly four, depending on who's available. But with the New York Jets. You get Zach Wilson at number two, quarterback from BYU. Personally, I personally Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in the class, in my opinion, and that's who I would have went with if I were the New York Jets. But I get all the hype around Zach Wilson. He's got a strong arm, a lot of flair, can make any throw, can move in the pocket, can move outside the pocket, very athletic. I mean, he he's a good prospect. My only concern is just lack of. Good competition that he played against. He played at BYU and only played against a couple top twenty-five schools. Lost against both of them. I mean, I, I don't know. I I just, I just don't know how I feel about Zach Wilson. I feel like he's got high bust potential. But regardless, they do get a quarterback. They address quarterback, and I think Zach Wilson has the flair. Elijah Vera Tucker at fourteen. You traded up from uh, late in the first round to get Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive guard. Just That's a that's a great pick because you already have Makai Becton, who you drafted last year at offensive tackle. Now you have Vera Tucker, your offensive line, albeit young, very good. That is perfect for a young quarterback, whether it was Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson. So they're already doing for Zach Wilson what they failed to do for Z- Sam Darnold. Love it. Now you go get yourself a legit number one wide receiver in the second round, someone who I thought should have went late first in Elijah Moore. From Ole Miss, that's perfect. Then you addressed your run game. They don't have a running back. Michael Carter in round four from North Carolina, and he was in a backfield in with the Tar Heels that was very similar to the Georgia backfield of a couple years ago with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Michael Carter was kind of the the second fiddle there uh, behind Javante Williams in North Carolina, but still a really good running back and someone that I can I can see definitely making an impact. For the Jets in his rookie season, and then on the back end, defensively for the Jets, they got Jamie and Sherwood from Auburn at safety, and then also Michael Carter, the second from Duke at corner, two players that I had you know around the four or five range, but some really good value, like Jamie and Sherwood, I could have even seen maybe going in the third round, so really good value there was sherwood, Michael Carter, you know I, I thought of him as like a fourth round prospect, good value and those guys, I think, are going to be some good depth for their secondary if they don't start. Moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, I think they had an A+. plus, A-plus draft. First off, they get the best offensive tackle in the draft, in my opinion, in Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Played against Chase Young in college. Didn't allow a sack. Uh, I, I just I think it's perfect for what the Chargers want to do. They brought in Corey Lindsley over the offseason at center. Really improve their offensive line, they get the best offensive line prospect love it at thirteen. They didn't end and the thing is too is he he fell to them. A lot of people thought, including myself, that Slater was going to go in the top ten, and he fell to thirteen. Chargers didn't have to trade any assets away to go get him. fell in their laps, and it worked out. Then, I think probably a corner that i I definitely would have taken in the first round, probably my third or fourth ranked corner Asante Samuel Jr. From from Florida State in round two, pick 47. First off, his dad played in the NFL. Asante Samuel played for the Eagles. Just based on that alone, I would have taken him. And I know you shouldn't just draft a name, but a couple years ago, the Dallas Cowboys got burned by this. They were picking a a two picks in front of the Pittsburgh Steelers and had an opportunity to draft TJ Watt or Taco Charlton from Michigan, and Watt was at Wisconsin. And I'm just saying to myself, if his last name's Watt, and we know what J.J. Watt is, you take T.J. Watt. I don't care what position he plays. If he's a Watt, you draft him. That's who I wanted. And we passed on him for Taco Charlton. Needless to say, Charlton was gone in a couple years. T.J. Watt, Pro Bowl, outside linebacker. So Asante Samuel Jr., I think you know what you're going to get. I would have taken him. If I was a team in the first round that needed a corner chargers get him at a steal and the second round really help out their secondary because they did trade Desmond King away to the Tennessee Titans. So that's just a huge upgrade. Also get some depth at wide receiver in the third round. Josh Palmer from Tennessee. I had him going in the third round. That's just good depth in case Keenan Allen were to get hurt. Mike Williams, Mike Williams has had some injury concerns. I like to pick up. And then you lose Hunter Henry in the offseason. You do pick up Jared Cook, but Trey McKitty from Georgia, I mean, that just gives you another option for Justin Herbert. Uh then you get an edge rusher in the fourth round. This is an A plus draft. You know, and the edge rusher, Chris Rumph, the second from Duke. Don't know a whole lot about him, but it just provides depth because Melvin Ingram has had some injury issues. Joey Bus Joey Bosa, even for that matter. So if you get some depth, I mean that helps. Next up, the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins just addressed so many areas of need. It was ridiculous. At pick number six, they got wide receiver Jalen Waddle from Alabama. Personally, I would have went with Devontae Smith, but Waddle, just a freak athlete, insanely fast, and I'm sure the Dolphins were probably thinking of trying to get the next Tyreek Hill with just that unbelievable speed, and Waddle certainly has that, and Waddle's not like the greatest route runner in the world, but he's so fast that it almost doesn't even matter. So getting Tua Tagovailoa, a receiver like Waddle, who he played with in college, that really helps. You have Will Fuller, and if he's healthy, he's a burner. Devontae Parker, I mean, that is a legitimate wide receiving core. And I think you're going to see Tua make a significant step up the ladder next year. Then the Dolphins address their pass rush, later on in the first round, get Jalen Phillips from Miami. Uh, So fitting, you know, Miami Hurricanes, Miami Dolphins. But from a pure talent standpoint, probably the best or second best edge rusher in the entire draft. But he does have some injury concerns. He did have to retire a couple years ago because of injuries. So that is something I worry about with Jalen Phillips. But from a just raw talent, this guy is really good. It just depends on whether or not he can stay on the field. Early round two, a guy who I thought could have potentially went in in, in the first round, defensive back, you know, corner/slash safety, Javon Holland from Oregon. This is who I wanted the Cowboys to take in the second round if he fell to him, and obviously he didn't. He was taken four picks into the second round, but Holland is a great guy that you can plug in at the safety position. You can also put him in slot corner. Works really, really well for the Dolphins. Then, at pick 42, just six picks later, you get offensive tackle Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Notre Dame, in my opinion, I don't even know if this is an opinion, I think this is probably a fact, just they breed offensive linemen. The most NFL-ready offensive line talents come from Notre Dame, and uh, Eichenberg is just going to be uh, a major player for the Dolphins up front, really help Tua give him some time to throw the football to his speedy wide receivers. It might even improve the run game a little bit. Miles Gaskin isn't fantastic, but he still almost you know take out injuries and whatnot. He almost he would have almost averaged, or not averaged, but he would have been close to in a thousand yard season had he played every game. And then finally, Hunter Long, tight end from Boston College, just really add some depth because they have Mike Kosicki there. So he's probably not going to start, but I mean it's just someone that can come in every now and then. Another option to throw the football, block on the edge. That's a good pickup there in round three. I give the Miami Dolphins really an A-plus for their draft. Address multiple areas of need. Next up, the Kansas City Chiefs. I give them an A. Uh, in round two, You know they had a first-round pick, but they traded their first-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Orlando Brown, an offensive tackle. So that was their first-round pick this year. I mean, that's an A right there address the tackle position because you cut both your tackles in the offseason. So in round two, they pick Nick Bolton, linebacker from Missouri. They don't really have a good linebacking core at all. The only linebacker that I can even think of is Anthony Hitchens. So you get Nick Bolton, who not a flashy guy, not a flashy name, doesn't have a super flashy skill set, but he's solid. But then, I mean, also in round two, just a couple picks later, you get Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, a center, possibly the best center in the draft. That's huge right there. You get an edge rusher in Joshua Kane Doe from Florida State. Did draft a tight end in round five. Not sure how I really feel about that. Um, They already have Kelsey, so it doesn't really matter all that much. Did draft a wide receiver from Clemson, Cornell Powell. Clemson also kind of breeds wide receivers. Now, as far as a round five prospect, I don't know. We'll see. I don't want to sit here and pretend that I know much about Cornell Powell. But this one was surprising to me. Guard Trey Smith in round six from Tennessee. I honestly thought he was going to go in the third or fourth round. I really liked Trey Smith as a guard prospect. And he's a guy that's probably not probably not going to start because I mean the Chiefs, you know, brought in Kyle Long and also Joe Tooney from the New England Patriots. So it's just really adding depth. And kind of the same thing with Creed Humphrey. Like they've already got a center in Kansas City, but he provides depth, could even possibly start. Who knows? uh because the, the Chiefs have Austin Blythe, so we'll see, but it just adds a lot of depth because the you know that offensive line in the playoffs last year was just in shambles, gave up so many pressures in the Super Bowl. But now, you know, I made a TikTok about this and now I feel kind of stupid. Um but I, I mean it was the it was the information I had at the time. Uh I, I really thought that the Chiefs were gonna kinda take a step back next year just because, you know, they cut both their offensive tackles in Swartz and Eric Fisher. And I mean, that's the most important position on your offensive line is tackle. So the both of them are gone. And then you brought in, you know, Joe Tooney and Kyle Long, but Kyle Long has been out of the game for a couple of years. He retired. Don't really know what he's got in the tank. Tooney's obviously a great guard, but those that's that you're fixing the interior of your line. The majority of pressures in the NFL come from the outside. So yeah, you address the inside and teams are just going to key in on that. They're just going to attack the outside every time. But they went out and traded for Orlando Brown and now they've added some depth granted their interior pieces but who knows maybe Trey Smith as a guard can maybe move outside their offensive line is so much better now than it was after the Super Bowl and so I have reframed my stance on that they are still a Super Bowl contender uh and even though I thought they were going to take a step back I still thought they were going to be a playoff team and win the AFC West like I'm not I wasn't saying they were going to be a bad team I just didn't think they were going to be In the Super Bowl next year, but now they still have, you know, a legitimate, legitimate shot, uh, as good a shot as any other team. The only thing that worries me with the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes' contract, 10 years, 500 million. You know, first couple years, it's not going to be that bad, but once you get into the back half, then you can't pay anybody and suddenly Superman's all by himself. So that's the only thing that worries me, but now as currently constructed, They are Super Bowl contenders and probably favorites. Moving on to the next team, we've got uh, three more teams until we get to our underrated draft class. The Jacks, I said that really weird. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to get an A from me. Uh, I think, you know, obviously they get Trevor Lawrence first pick in the draft. That's a home run and not really much to say about that. But at number 25 in the first round... You get Travis Etienne, a home run hitting speedy running back who can also catch out of the backfield. And he was a teammate of Lawrence's at Clemson. So I, I was surprised by the pick. I really thought they were going to go defense, maybe get like Christian Barmore to, you know, plug up their interior. Maybe a Trayvon Morig from TCU at safety somewhere, you know, on defense. But you get Etienne? And the more I thought about this pick, the more it made sense. You know, James Robinson was a really good back for them last year. Who I believe was drafted late, like a sixth round pick. Might have even been undrafted. I don't know, but did a really nice job for him. He was a really good back. But the problem is, he's he's not really dynamic. He is just a power back, and that's really only get only going to get you so far. And we've kind of seen it in the NFL. These these backs, running backs, just. Can't be workhorses all the time. You really need a, a legitimate number two back behind to kind of take some of the pressure off. We, I mean, we've seen that with Zeke over the last couple of years. Tony Pollard has stepped up a, a, quite a bit, but Zeke has kind of slowed down. Christian McCaffrey's had some injuries because he hasn't had a legitimate number two back behind him to take some of those snaps away. And you know, the Panthers did that in the draft this year, getting Chubba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. I think possibly the steal of the draft at running back. So now Jacksonville gets ETN, who is a three-down back. James Robinson's even a three-down back, even though he's a power back. You can split up those carries a little bit. ETN can obviously be a little bit more of a threat in the pass game. Solid pick. Now in round two, you address your secondary. You get Tyson Campbell from Georgia. And I like him better than Eric Stokes, who was a teammate of his. Later on in round two, you get an offensive lineman, Walker Little from Stanford at offensive tackle. Now, I love Walker Little, arguably a first-round pick, but injury history is a big problem with Walker Little, so we'll see if he can stay on the field, but the talent is certainly there. Andre Sisco, safety from Syracuse in round three, really good value, and then you move further, further on down. You're addressing areas of need. You get a defensive lineman, edge rusher. Did get Luke Farrell, tight end from Ohio State. They don't really have a tight end, so Farrell, even though probably a little bit more of a blocking tight end can still make some catches. So, I mean, we'll see an urban Meyer knows Ohio state, like the back of his hand. So it probably is probably going to be a good fit. You get a receiver later on in round six, Jalen camp from Georgia tech don't know much about him, but it just adds depth in that area because they don't have a great receiving core, but overall an a for the Jacksonville Jaguars with the picks that I went through, Cleveland Browns get an A plus, maybe even an A plus plus, because they just really went heavy on defense. Only got, you know, the first four rounds here, but Greg Newsom, the second from Northwestern, I had him probably at my fourth best corner in the draft behind, obviously, you know, JC Horn, Patrick Sertan, and then Asante Samuel would have been third for me. So Newsom in the first round, that's a good pickup and honestly, kind of a risky one, because I really thought that they would get a linebacker like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame, but spoiler alert, they still got him in the second round, which is unbelievable. And Koromoa, probably the steal of the, of the draft defensively, and he's kind of a hybrid safety slot corner linebacker type player, kind of like a Jabril Peppers, but I think better. If that makes any sense. So to get him in the second round, I don't understand how he fell that far. You get him, but you also get Greg Newsome. And you know that secondary for the Browns was just atrocious last year. But you bring in Troy Hill, John Johnson. Now you draft Newsom and Cormoa. You brought in Jadavion Clowney. I mean, this this is great. Get a receiver, Anthony Schwartz, in the third round from Auburn. That's just more depth, you know, and plus Odell's coming off of injury. You double down on the best offensive line in football. Get James Hudson from Cincinnati at tackle. That's just some depth. And then a defensive lineman, Tommy uh I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, I'm gonna go with Togai from Ohio State. Togai, Togai. If you're an Ohio State fan, you know who I'm talking about. Got him in round four. Really just attacked defense in this draft and Really, I could take these other picks out of it. Getting Newsome and Owusu-Koromoa, that makes it an A+. plus. Last team before we get to my underrated draft class, the Chicago Bears. They get an A for what they did. Trading up in the first round from pick 20 to 11 to get, hopefully, their quarterback of the future in Justin Fields. I mean, what a splashy move there. And I wasn't really sure if they were going to trade up and, and do so and, and, and get it done, but you get Justin Fields, obviously better than Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's still probably going to start. A lot of people argue Justin Fields isn't ready. I think as the second best quarterback in the class, he's ready. But Andy Dalton is a fine quarterback to learn behind for a half a season or a season. So like it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if Justin Fields sat for a year. Now, it might lose Matt Nagy's job. He might feel pressured to start Justin Fields early, which may not bode well for Fields. But if if he performs well, which I think he would, I think he's ready, then it would work out just fine. But if they don't think he's ready and they still rush him out onto the field because they're fearful of losing their jobs, then you know we might have some issues. But the talent is there from Fields. Don't know why people were questioning his work ethic. I really thought he should have went number two. Instead, he falls to 11. That's the steal of the draft in terms of quarterback. I love it for Chicago, and he's perfect for what they want to do because Mitch Trubisky was an athletic quarterback who can move and make plays, and that's exactly what they need in their offense. Andy Dalton is just a polar opposite. He's a pocket passer. He can move around. He's got some mobility, but when things break down, ideally, you don't want Andy Dalton taking off with the football. You want Justin Fields doing that. It's a perfect fit. Now, the Bears' offensive line has kind of been deteriorating over the last couple years. In round two, you get Tevin Jenkins at pick 39. I really thought Tevin Jenkins was going to be taken in the early 20s, maybe by a team like the Indianapolis Colts, who lost Anthony Costanzo to retirement. So, to get Jenkins in round two, really, really nice. You also get another offensive tackle in round five, get a running back in round six. Daz Newsome, wide receiver from North Carolina in round six, that's just really good insurance in case Allen Robinson were to leave. And who knows if he likes Justin Fields, maybe he'll stay, but let's just go based off of recent history here. If you know the Bears struggle next year, he might be looking for a new home. So it's just insurance. And then in round seven, they got a Kyrus Tonga from BYU, a defensive lineman. I thought that was really, really great value. Uh, And honestly kind of you know like a low-key steal i thought tonga was like a third or fourth round pick and they got him in round seven so and odds are maybe they could have even let him just go all the way and they could have picked him up as an undrafted free agent but nonetheless i think it's great value and finally my underrated draft class and the reason i say it's underrated nobody's talking about it the detroit lions they get an a from me maybe a minus a i mean they just Quietly had a great draft, and this is a team that traded Matt Stafford away for Jared Goff. They got a handful of picks for the future. They stole Panay Sewell at number seven. I mean, just somehow he fell in their laps because the Cincinnati Bengals wanted to draft Jamar Chase, which I understand. However, I think it was the wrong move. Panay Sewell just swallows people whole. Now, granted, the Pac 12 didn't have any notable pass rushers. But every defensive end that lined up in front of him, he swallowed whole. So just a great pickup at number seven. And that's gonna help protect Jared Goff. Because Jared Goff he's not trash. You know, he's he's good enough. He got his money for a reason. So you just gotta give him time to throw. Now, granted there are no wide receivers in in Detroit because they let both Marvin Jones and Galladay go, but first things first, you just gotta protect his blind side. And rounds 2 and 3 you get a, pl- a couple defensive tackles. They did not have a very good run defense last year, so we hope that helps for the Lions sake. Round 3 you get a corner, a Fe2 Mellon from Wu from Syracuse. I like to pick up in round 3. I honestly could I, I I saw him going in round 2, so to get him in round 3 that's good value and or at least in my opinion, I don't know Ask Mel Kuiper and he'll tell you whether or not. It's good value in round three, but I like to pick up there. They just needed a lot of help defensively in this draft and offense. I mean, just everywhere, to be honest with you. But, you know, putting Melvin Wu maybe on the other side of Jeff Okuda, who you drafted last year, that could be a a decent secondary. Some really, really great value in round four. You get a wide receiver to replace the two that you lost in Amonra St. Brown from USC. That's really nice for Jared Goff, somebody for him to throw the football to other than TJ Hawkins in a tight end. That helps. And then you get Jamar Jefferson in round seven from Oregon State, a running back. They've already got plenty of running backs. DeAndre Swift is clearly their number one, but it just adds some depth. I give the Detroit Lions an A- or an A for their draft class. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 128. In episode 129, we're going to look at the teams who had the worst draft classes, in my opinion, teams that they're kind of head scratchers, you know, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll dive into that in the next episode, as well as potentially look at, as well as look at the quarterbacks that were taken in the first round, even some quarterbacks taken in, in some of the other rounds in the draft, and just kind of analyze those picks, how they fit and what the outlook is for their careers and their futures, not only for them, but for the teams make sure you follow the show on twitter at the will ford show rate and review the show on itunes like and comment on soundcloud episodes will be dropping wednesday so make sure to to tap in check it out once again a shout out to parker black for winning the 2021 nfl draft game and a winner of 50 bucks as well i'll see you in episode 129 this is wfs the will ford show